Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24. Let us now hear the word of the Lord. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth, hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princesses also do sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do give thee thanks for thy word and ask that thou wouldst be pleased to open our ears and our hearts, that we might receive it, that we might come to understand all that thou hast for us. And may we, like the Puritans remind us, to chew the cud of thy word, to, to meditate upon it, to delight in it. And we ask for thy blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as we continue to think about some of these things that we have been instructed on thus far in Psalm 119, question for us to ponder tonight is, how does a believer navigate through life as he is continually bombarded by the assaults from Satan and those who would seek to destroy him? The disciple of Christ is in a journey, walking through this valley of death toward the celestial city. We cannot retire. We cannot let down our guard for one moment. Here as we discover the excellencies of God's word and the pilgrim's desire to understand it, we find here in Psalm 119 the arrangement that is set in 22 groups of eight verses, each with the heading of a Hebrew alphabet. And it is designed to be read and meditated upon. We've seen that first section from the Aleph, then last time from Beth, and then we come tonight to Gimel, that third section of Psalm 119. Now these verses are all particularly designed for the young man or the servant to meditate upon God's word, particularly in seasons of great trial and persecution. As you read through Psalm 119, you get a sense that the psalmist, most likely David, others have a couple other ideas of who may have written it, but most likely it's David. But as he lays out before us these words from each of these psalms, there's a particular theme of persecution. There's a particular theme of being under great affliction. And I think for those of us particularly in the West, as we have never been under affliction, as we have never really suffered much for our faith, there's a sense in which we dismiss that notion of experiencing persecution and trial. We might have those ridicules sometimes from family members or those uh, who we know quite well, but there's no sense of, um, of the, uh, the persecution that the psalmist describes here. 
But oh, as we come to this passage, let us see these short, concise truths that hopefully will flood our hearts and flood our minds that we might seek to walk in the path of a righteous man or a righteous woman. Charles Spurgeon in his Spurgeon in his commentary on Psalm 119, verses 17 through 24, said, In this section, the trials of the way appear to be manifest to this pilgrim's mind. And he prays accordingly for the help which will meet his case. As in the last eight verses, he prayed as a youth, newly come into the world. So here he pleads as a servant and as a pilgrim who growingly finds himself to be a stranger in an enemy's country. His appeal is to God alone, and his prayer is specifically direct and personal. He speaks with the Lord as, the, as a man speaketh with his friend. As we think of that introduction to this particular section from Charles Spurgeon, I think it's helpful to note here he reminds us of what we've seen before in Aleph and Beth, that the young man, the young man has a way in which he can walk. He has found that he can be cleansed by the word of God. He can find that his whole heart seeks after the Lord. But then we're reminded that here in this section, The psalmist describes the servant, the one who is a stranger and a pilgrim in the land. You don't have to be a Christian long enough to know you live in an alien land. Know that you live in a world that does not receive you well. And so here is a prayer that the psalmist gives us that we can meditate upon, that we can find instruction for our spiritual life. And so I'd like for us to look there, first of all, at verse 17. As you read through here, you can see this is a personal prayer, as Charles Spurgeon reminds us. That it is a prayer of the stranger. It is the prayer of one in an enemy country, in an enemy territory. And he begins, deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Here the psalmist prays particularly. We've, we've heard this evening about those, those prayers, those prayers that are often shot up as an arrow. But here's a particular prayer that he begins to pray, Deal graciously, deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Here in the authorized translation it says, Deal bountifully with thy servant. God, out of the storehouse of his mercy, which is exhaustible, inexhaustible, out of the storehouse of God's bounty, he has all grace and mercy. God's mercy, God's grace never runs dry. The well might run dry in the winter. I hope not. Other things may run dry in life. We might run dry. We might go through those seasons when we find ourselves struggling health-wise. We might find some weeks, like the last couple of weeks, we're tired and, and fighting something. But one thing we understand from this psalm is that God's mercy, 
God's goodness never runs dry. And the believer can take stock in that. And so he says, deal bountifully with thy servant. He prays that the Lord would grant him mercy, that he would live in order to keep his word. The desire of the psalmist or any servant is to have spiritual life in order to do what God commands. Children, you remember the first question of the Shorter Catechism? What is man's chief end? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so here we find that the psalmist desires to glorify God. The psalmist desires to enjoy Him forever. A heart filled with grace desires to live holy and to please not self, but to please God. This is why why it is expressed repeatedly Throughout Psalm 119, I love thy law. Oh, thy law is my delight. I meditate upon thy precepts. Do we go around daily saying to ourselves or saying to others, Oh, I meditate upon thy precepts. Oh, I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. Well, the psalmist could say he loved the law. The psalmist could say the law is my delight because he found through the bounty of God's mercy and grace that he could keep the word of God. There are some commentators, and they're not many, but I would not argue with this point, but some believe that Psalm 119 speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly experience. And there's a sense in which we kind of dismiss that point. But I I think it's a good point to be reminded of. Because if Christ lived in pure humanity, if Christ lived in perfect humanity, if Christ walked, having kept all of God's law, having kept it perfectly, then isn't there a sense in which his desire was to keep the law of God? And should that not be our desire? To keep God's law. And so the psalmist prays specifically. Deal bountifully with thy servant. So that I might live. That I might have life. And that I might keep thy word. Oh if the Lord Jesus Christ had not kept the law of God perfectly. In his active obedience. If the Lord Jesus Christ had not kept every jot and tittle of the law. Where's our hope? What hope do we have in keeping the law of God? And yet Christ did fulfill all of the law in our stead. And yet we are called, having received his grace, to go forth with life, with that spirit breathed into us. We might keep God's law. And then there in verse 18, the psalmist prays that the Lord would open the eye of his understanding that he might behold wonderful things out of God's law. Now there are a number of words, and we looked at this in the first week in the introduction. He uses a number of words, law, testimonies, commandments, 
precepts, all of those which are synonyms uh, of one another, showing that God's precepts or God's word or God's law is what we should focus upon, which we should desire. But here the psalmist prays, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I think as we consider that, we've been challenging you to to meditate through this and perhaps commit some of this to memory. But as we think about that, if God would not open our eyes, we would not be able to see. If God would not grant unto us understanding, we would not know his law. But notice here the psalmist prays that the Lord would open his eyes for what purpose? To behold, to see the wondrous things that come out of thy law. The law here can, can refer to, to the moral law, but here it's often used in Psalm 119 to speak of the totality of God's word. But don't we find wonderful things in it? We find instruction. We don't just find uh, commandments that we're, we're told to do, but we find in those commandments light, life. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give, what? Rest to your souls. Take my yoke upon me. Learn from me. For I'm meek, gentle in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. And so here the psalmist desires, Lord, open my eyes that I might see those wondrous things out of thy law. What wonderful things do we discover from the law of God? Well, certainly we discover that God has great mercy. God has great compassion for sinners. That there are so many wonderful things that we could see that come out of God's law upon which we should meditate. And if our meditation is our call to worship reminds us, if our meditation upon the Lord should be sweet, should we not find that desire to have eyes that are open to see? I wonder how often, and this is a challenge for all of us, but as we come to hear the word preached every Lord's Day, or on those occasions when we publicly come to hear the word preached, do we come with that prayer that God would open our eyes that we might behold? And I think there's a sense in which we, we just come and perhaps go through motions, but, but our prayer every week should be, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, give me understanding. It is the pastor's prayer that the Lord would open his mouth and bring forth truth that would be beneficial. But all of us should be praying, open my eyes that I might understand those wonderful truths that come from thy law. His mind, his his mind needs right understanding. We, we saw some of that this morning in Family Bible Hour. We must have right understanding. We must have a mind that, that receives these things. And so do we pray 
that the Lord would give us understanding? Do you pray that as you begin to look at the Scriptures, as you open the Scriptures? We want to encourage all of us to read Scripture, but as we open the Scripture, we want to pray, Lord, open my eyes. Give me understanding that I might see those wondrous things that come from my law. Here the psalmist describes himself in verse 19 as a stranger in the earth, as one who is constantly bombarded by his enemies. And so as a stranger, as one who is an alien, he says, hide not thy commandments from me. Why is the psalmist praying that particularly? Well, he's praying that because in the midst of this journey in which we are on, as we are in the midst of great obstacles, as we find ourselves bombarded by those who hate God, who hate His law, the psalmist pleads, Lord, in the midst of this battle, in the midst of the war that's raging, do not hide thy commandments from me. Now that might sound strange to us. Why would God hide his commandments from us? And yet the the thought here of the psalmist is, Lord, don't let my mind forget. Let me understand. Let me see thy commandments so that I might live. Verse 20, he says, My soul breaketh for the longing. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. We have weak and wavering desires. We have those desires and distractions that come against us. And so we need to pray that God would grant us strength in the midst of our weakness, that God would grant us strength in the midst of those distractions, that we might long for that word, that we might long for that presence of God's word to give us relief. My soul breaketh, my soul yearns, my soul desires for that. And I pray that I might have thy judgments at all times. Again, precepts or judgments, those things that God gives unto us for instruction. And then here, verse 21, his, in his continued prayer, thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. And so he prays in verse 22, Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy law, or I have kept thy testimonies. We are always the objects of ridicule and scorn in this fallen world. We are always under the watch of a godless world. So the psalmist prays, this is a good prayer for us to pray. To remove, to remove reproach and contempt. That we would not be a reproach. That we would not be a scandal. 
that we would love God's law, that we would keep his testimonies. Again, if the Lord Jesus Christ had not kept the law in all of its entirety, then we would not be able to keep it. So he prays, remove that reproach. Remove that scorn, that contempt. And may I humbly seek after thy testimonies. Here he concludes that princesses also did speak, or sit and speak against me. But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Here I think there's a thought that comes to mind in verse 23. As Jesus is standing there before Pilate. As Jesus is standing there before the religious leaders. As Jesus is being tried and arraigned. And they're speaking against him. They're speaking out blasphemies against him. Even one of the malefactors speaks against him. And yet here the psalmist prays that as they sit and speak against me, as those rulers speak against me, may thy servant meditate in thy statutes. Don't we find the Lord Jesus Christ silent? Don't we find the Lord Jesus Christ in humility, standing before his accusers, not opening his mouth? And yet what is on his mind? What would be on our minds if we were in a situation where we were um, called before a magistrate and, and, uh, and charged for being a Christian? What would go through our minds? What was going to the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of that? He was meditating on God's word. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Where does it say that in the scripture? Well, if the Lord Jesus Christ is the servant who is defined in Isaiah, the suffering servant, would he not be meditating on God's statutes? If he loved God's law, as we have seen here, if he was obedient to God's law, would he not, not meditate upon it when he finds himself in the midst of scorners and scoffers? And then the psalmist concludes here in verse 24, thy, thy testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. Two things we're reminded of here. I think this is, this is an encouragement to us. When we look for counsel, when we look for wisdom and direction, where do we look? We look to the word of God. We look to the testimonies of God. We find in his testimonies delight. They are a delight. They are precious to us. And yet we find that the wise and blessed servant of God will find in his testimonies delight and find counsel and instruction in those seasons when all seems to be against us. I thought it was helpful to give a, a number of things that Thomas Manton has given as a tool for memory or a help for memory. I began to call us here a number of weeks ago, and I think I said this in a family visitation. I encouraged some of the young people to begin meditating Psalm 119 when we were way back about six chapters earlier. 
And um, I wanted, want us to think of memory not as just memorizing Scripture and then just memorizing it and walking away from it. And that's why I think Thomas Manton was helpful in this. He gives us a number of things I'll just briefly go through to help us in memorizing particularly God's Word. The first thing he gives as a help is attention. He says we are to remember that we are to heed and regard the Word of God. And so our attention should be drawn to that. If you come to a passage like verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. As we begin to think upon that, our attention be, should be drawn to that. And so as our attention is drawn to that, we should begin to think upon that. Secondly, he says that affection is another help in memory of Scripture. He says a great friend, it is a great friend to memory, that is our affections. We esteem or hold dear what we best remember. We esteem, we value what we hold dear, and we remember it. He says, an old man will not forget where he laid his bag of gold because he values that. And so how can we forget God's law? Because that, that should be our life. That, that should be the life of our, our being. That should be all that we, we find. Delight and love will renew the object of our thoughts. And so the affection of the heart is what causes us to memorize rightly. He speaks of meditation, thirdly. We must often meditate upon what we have committed to memory. Let me say this, and I'll say it again. We must often meditate upon what we've committed to memory, or it will not profit the soul. I've had to go back and and retrain my mind because when I first became a Christian, I was going through a correspondence course many years ago by Billy Graham, which was beneficial at that point in season in my early journey. And he began to encourage scripture reading and memory. And so I began reading, began memorizing certain portions of Psalm 119 and, and Romans. And you know, over the years, what happened? Forgot some of that. But what did it profit my soul? What he wants us to note is that when we meditate upon God's word, when we commit it to memory, if we don't go back and commit ourselves to that, we soon forget. And we have no thought of it anymore. We will soon forget what we've memorized. So chew on it. Digest it. Meditate upon it. Give more than just a cursory thought to what we read. Number four, I find this perhaps one of the most helpful things. And I have no children, so this is quite amazing. Beware of distracting or wandering thoughts. Little benefit 
will be reaped if your thoughts are distracted and wandering. Now, you don't have to have just children to have distracting, wandering thoughts, but you can be distracted by many things. And yet, if we're distracted, if we begin to sit down and pray, what's the first thing that happens? Our mind begins to be flooded with so many things. And he says, guard yourself against those distracting thoughts. Number five, order is a great help to memory. If you have a good understanding of basic Christian truth, you will see doctrine coming from those things upon which you meditate. And so when you come to a verse of Scripture, you begin to meditate upon it and think about it. And soon you will find all of the various truths of God's Word coming forth from the Scriptures. And so it's a great help in understanding so that we can see the, the basic truths of our faith coming forth as well. Number six, have a lively sense of what you have heard or read. And this, this takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of going over it again. But he says, have a lively sense. In other words, have a, have a desire to hear, to read, and not just turn away from it. Number seven, speaking often of the things that you have memorized will keep them in the heart. And so I think this is a good thing we all need to be reminded of, that when we're memorizing Scripture, if we just memorize it, it does us no good. What does it say there in Deuteronomy chapter 5? Instruction it gives to fathers. Fathers, instruct your children where? When you walk. When you're doing all of those things, when you walk along the road, talk of these things. And so there should be an active conversation. If you live alone, certainly keep that conversation lively between you and the Lord. But have a lively sense of it and then speak often of those things that you've memorized because when you do, it keeps it in your heart. And lastly, he says, get a sanctified memory. <laughs> All of us need a sanctified memory. Some of us are not prone to memory well. Having taken Latin and Hebrew, I found it very difficult to continually memorize, but you have to discipline yourself. But I think Thomas Manton was helpful because he says, if you get a dig, uh, sanctified memory, you have to pray that God would give you faculties that are sanctified. And not everybody has the gift of memorizing. But I think it's important to pray that the Spirit would sanctify our minds, that the Spirit would sanctify our understanding so that we might learn God's precepts. So I trust that those will be helpful things for us as we, we put to memory the Word of God as we come to the conclusion of this section in Gimel, let us ask ourselves, are God's testimonies my delight? Are God's testimonies my counselors? Now, it's easy in our day to go to the internet and to look for everything we need. We look for certain health remedies. We look for this. We look for that. We should be looking to the Word of God 
to find our counselors. We should be looking to the testimonies of the Lord to give us instruction. And may they be our delight. And may we find in the Lord Jesus Christ perfect example of one who was obedient to all of the law of God. Who even though he was a stranger in the earth, did not forget God's commandments. Let it be our prayer this week that God would sanctify our minds and our hearts that we might focus upon his word, that we might memorize it, that we might meditate upon it so that we might be a righteous and blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly but stands in the way of sinners and does not stand in the way of sinners but his delight is in the law of God. Let us pray. O Lord our God, we do confess unto thee tonight that we don't often love thy testimonies. We confess that we don't often delight in them. Lord, we confess that our minds are often dull, that our memories are slack, our bodies are weak and frail. But O Lord God, we plead for thy mercies we might begin to meditate upon thy word. We might begin to pray that you would show us wondrous things out of thy law. That in thy law, we might find great delight. Lord, I pray that for adults and even for children here tonight, that we would come to love thy word and to put it to memory not just so that we can say we've memorized this, but that we can say, I have hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, bless thy word to the benefit of our souls, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.